listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey guys, this is Seth and Ryan with the Lead Defend podcast. We are live from Lead Defend 2020. It's Leap Day. Leap Day. Once Not going to come qu- around for four more years. Four more years. Uh, speaking of four more years, it makes you think about school. We have... A, uh, have you finished your PhD, Andy? No, not All even right. close. We've got Andy Jennings. He is the young adults pastor at Cross Church in Springdale, Arkansas, and uh, he is spending some time with us to talk about uh, his ministry. So, Andy, uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry that you have going on at Cross Church right now. It's just what it sounds like. Uh, we got young singles, young marrieds, um, and and we're just trying to build discipleship groups, communities help people uh, stay involved, learn, grow, be more like Jesus, and have opportunities to serve. Yeah, so uh, are young adults actively involved at church still? The answer to that, I think, is yes. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of freaking out about what's going on with the millennial generation and all these statistics, and I I think there's something to that that we ought to pay attention to. Um, What I always say is I think millennials and Gen Z are just being more honest yeah. Um, there's no social capital to be gained by being in church anymore wow. where yeah. you go back 20, 30 years and uh, there was, the, yeah. uh, you, you had friendships there and people who were on the fringes of Christianity or just kind of were culturally Christian. Um, it was fine to go to church and, and you had friendships and relationships there. And the way our, our culture is going, it's just not that anymore. Um, and so I think on some level, like we should be thankful that the mission field is being more more honestly defined and people are not staying in our pews when they're actually not Christian. And that just helps us understand where they are and how we can reach them and who needs to be reached. Yeah, that's a good word. Now, so tell us what, you, what are you getting your PhD in? What, what's your area of specification? It's Christian apologetics. Okay. So this stuff is right up your alley. Like, yeah. Why, why are people leaving or why is there the semblance of people leaving faith? Um, or are they actually? Now, in that, you you have some passions kind of related to ministry that we yeah. were just talking about. Lay, lay those out for us a bit. Yeah, I, this has been something that I've been on for a long time. Um, when I was in high school, my dad got into apologetics, and so that's kind of how I started down this track, really. Now, would you define apologetics for us? I feel like yeah, sometimes we good. just assume that yeah. people know. Apologetics is giving a defense for what you believe. Mm. That's all it is. It comes from the Greek word apologia. Um, it's just a defense in Apo- court. Ap- 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 apologia. Okay. Um, it was w- when Apple originally <laughs> was Macintosh, they had a split. Oh, oh I yeah. see. And you had the Apple go over here and the Apple Agia go over there. That's right. And, I see. and you've got to explain why that kind of thing happens. And I see. So, no, uh, but, but what it is in a modern sense is really just saying, why is it that it's reasonable to believe what Christians believe? That's, mm. that's really all apologetics is. And so it's anything from the science of origins all the way through to the textual evidence for the reliability of Scripture, the historical evidence that Jesus actually rose from the dead, all of these things where you're trying to to get people to break down the walls they've built up to hearing the gospel. Mm. And that, I think, is the most important thing about apologetics is in and of itself, it's not actually anything. Apologetics is a means to an end. The end is always the gospel. And if you yeah. win, a, win a debate about the origin of the universe or even about the resurrection of Jesus, but you don't tell people the gospel, you've wasted everyone's time. Wow. 
And so uh, the apologetics is only useful up until the point somebody's willing to hear the gospel. Then, mm-hmm. man, throw that to the side for the moment and go for the gospel. That's what that's what it's really all about. Go for the gospel. Man, that's right. That, that's the statement. <laughs> I think that's my statement of 2020. There go for go. the gospel. Uh, Hashtag go for the gospel. Man, that's good. So, so, so tell us this. You have done ministry in several young adult context, whether it was in the DFW area or now in Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And so are are these questions of apologetics things that people are asking? Some of them more than others. Um, One of the breakouts here was about the problem of evil and really the question of why why do bad things happen in our lives and how should we take that? Uh, That is the dominant question, especially in the young adult realm. Why, and specifically, not, not why in general do bad things happen to people that I perceive to be good, uh, to which Christians have the obvious answer, well, nobody's really good. And you can shoot zingers like that, whether it's helpful or not. Um, but that's not the question. The question is, why did my mom get cancer? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in my own personal walk, why did I lose a daughter uh, before she was born? Yeah. Um, I, I have a daughter who was a twin, and we lost her sister. And you go... Man, I've been going to church. I tithe. I'm in full-time ministry. God, why did you let this happen to me? And that's where the the question comes from, and that's why I think it's the dominant apologetics question and really has been since the beginning, Mm. is if God is who the Bible says he is, why do these things happen, and specifically, why is this happening to me? And and so this is not just uh, theories that people talk about in the classroom. These have practical implications for each and every one of us. And And when it comes to, like, stuff with such deep feeling mm-hmm. like losing a child or right. or you know when a, if a woman is is raped or something and 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 they look at their life they're not evaluating their theology based on logic right. they're evaluating their theology based on what happened right and and there's emotion tied to it right. and so um and so we want to address the the logic but we need to do apologetics with with emotion in mind, right? Right, and that's why Peter says, "Yeah." Uh, when Peter in in First Peter chapter three um, says, "Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have." Yeah, um, he says to do it with gentleness and respect. Now, yeah, what he's not thinking of there is modern day apologetics, right? And I think it's perfectly valid to to take that verse and apply it to modern day apologetics. He, but he, he's talking more generally than that. It's anytime somebody says, what, what's going on with you? Why do you believe this? Why do you have this hope? Know why. And, and whatever the context demands, know why. Hmm. So to the issue of emotion, yeah. uh, I mean, especially in a modern world, in our current cultural situation, people always respond emotionally first to anything. I mean, think <laughs> about, we got a presidential election cycle coming up. People, <laughs> really? are, people are not thinking through these things rationally first and emotionally second. That's true. Every issue that comes up, they react to it emotionally first. And usually the process is, I have this emotional reaction. Now I need to figure out why not only I had that emotional reaction, but it was the right emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. And they begin to build up layers of what they consider reasons on top of the emotional reaction that they've had. And that's why I think apologetics can really play a good role. Because you go, well, what use really are discussions about whether the earth is 6,000 years old or, or 14.3 billion years old. What, what use are these discussions about special creation versus naturalistic evolution and things like that? Does that actually lead anybody to the gospel? And my answer is maybe. Mm. Maybe it opens the door because 
in the case of, let's go back to the problem of evil. In the case of somebody having a traumatic life experience, they will have an emotional memory of that experience and questions that come out of that emotion. And they may settle on an idea that maybe God doesn't exist, or maybe he's not who I thought he was. And then they will start building up layers of reasons why it's okay to believe that, which may include modern scientific theory says that the universe is 14.3 billion years old, and we know that Genesis is nothing but a myth, and on and on and on. And so they will have built up these, these walls, and apologetics comes along and just tries one at a time to dismantle those walls until the person's heart is exposed and they're ready to hear the gospel. And at wow. that moment, all the arguments fall to the side and we go straight to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's really the function of apologetics, I think, in a modern American context. And so you're passionate about apologetics. But yes. One of the things you really talked about was, man, I, I have a passion to see Christians, believers in Jesus, understand what they actually believe. Right. And, and so... How do you think it's possible? Because I think we live in that reality. Mm -hmm. But why do you think it's possible that a person could grow up with a faith background, come to faith, and, and then make it through their college years and really still not know what they believe? It's because it almost happened to me. Mm. Um, and that's where my passion really comes from. I've, I've always been an academic person. And like I said, my dad uh, got into apologetics when I was in about 10th grade, and that's when I really started getting interested in it too. And he's an engineer, so he's got that kind of scientific mind, and he just likes that stuff. I went into mathematics in yeah, college. Yeah, you're a mathematician. People yeah. may not know that. Yeah, I uh, started working on a PhD in math and really felt called into ministry. But it, what, what people don't understand is the deep connection mathematics and theology have to each other. And it was, it was in college studying mathematics that I began to really wonder, what do I believe? I mean, I know I believe in Jesus. I know I believe that he's God. He's fully God, fully man, died, rose again, and all this kind of stuff. But I had never read through the whole Bible. Hmm. I, I mean, junior year of college, I'd never read through the whole Bible. Um, I, if you had asked me, what about all those passages in the Old Testament where God commands entire nations to be destroyed, men, women, children, and animals, like ethically, what do you make of that? I didn't even know those passages were there, Yeah. Uh, much less how to deal with them. Um, and then I had a pastor. Um, his name is Ronnie Rogers. Uh, he's the pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in, in Norman, Oklahoma. And he loves his theology. And it just spoke to a mind like I have, one that really likes reasonable, laid-out arguments. And I understand not everybody's that way, which isn't a statement of superiority. It's just some people, like, don't, they're not into the whole structure of everything. They just kind of want it as Some it comes. people like math, and some yeah. people don't. Yeah, and some people like the tapestry. I like, I like spreadsheets. That's yeah. how I like things. <laughs> um, and... and Praise God, Ronnie Rogers felt the same way, yeah. and yeah. that's how he approached things. And, and I got to participate in something he called the round table, which was this theological MMA fight um, that we would have with with seven or eight guys. I mean it; like it's crazy. What the the goal every week? Two two guys in the group would give five minute presentations, and then everyone else in the group would play devil's advocate. And the goal, like I played a Jehovah's Witness one time when it came yeah. to the divinity of Christ. And I mean, we would get after one another. And the idea was what happens here stays here. Nothing's personal, but we want you to put you in a situation that will be harder than any real world situation you're ever in and trying to defend this doctrine wow. and why you believe that's the proper biblical interpretation. That was at the front end of my theological education. Mm. Um, that's awesome. That's and a good way to start. I just honestly, <laughs> Absolutely. I just honestly fell in love with it. Yeah. And so when I went down to 
Texas A&M to start out my PhD in math. I was teaching an apologetics course for my local church in the college area. I was helping teach through Matthew and a young singles Bible study that I was part of. And I just loved this stuff, and I loved telling other people about it. And I, it reached ahead after my first year uh, at A&M. I just said, you know, I think this is what God's calling me to do, not just because I want to preach, but I have this passion for taking what, what I think is the most amazing system in the world, which is the, the Christian faith, yeah. the most amazing truth that could possibly be given, mm-hmm. and helping people see how amazing it is. And I have a, a mind that works a particular way that's not everyone's cup of tea, but that I'm just one of many that God calls to teach and to preach and to pour into people's lives. And I reach a particular audience. Other people reach a different kind of audience. But that's my, <coughs> excuse me, that's my particular bent. Yeah. And, and so talking about that foundation, what encouragement to young adults who, if they're honest with themselves, would say, Andy, I, I've not read the entirety of the Bible but these questions are still looming in my mind, in the mind of my friends. How do you kind of navigate that tension between, honestly, I don't have a great foundation of faith in my own life, right? but I'm still dealing with these questions and these issues. So, so where does a person like that start? Well, again, one of the passions I have is bridging the gap between what I would call the academy and the church. There seems to be, to me, and other people may disagree, but there seems to me to be a disconnect there are the people that like you go, oh, you're really into theology. You should go do seminary and maybe teach mm-hmm. at a Christian college or at seminary. Like That's where those people go. And then there's the church, which especially in the Baptist world, in my opinion, um, has done a terrible job in the last half century of being a place that particularly young adults can have confidence. I can go here and find people who can help me answer these very difficult questions, who have yep. thought them through who have experienced them, are willing to talk about them. And and this is a place where it's likely that I will be able to find somebody on staff or in the the congregation who can help me answer these questions. Yeah, from an academic standpoint or or just that higher reasoning and thinking standpoint. And so so one of the reasons that I'm not just going totally over to the academic side is I really want to help bridge that gap. I want to bring in good, well-thought-out answers. I want the young adults in our church to know, at least I, and there's plenty of others at our church too, but at least I am somebody they can come to where if you say, I really don't know why the God I read about in my Bible would allow this to happen in my life, I'm going to say, it's a perfectly valid question. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about that. Let's walk through this and let's look biblically at what the Bible says about these things, characters in the Bible who walked through similar situations and how God interacted with them and why this might be happening in your life, but certainly a way forward. Um, I mean, I think about, particularly with struggles people have, the book of Job is just a book about that. Mm. And in the end, God never gives Job the answer, why is this happening? He just says, this is who I am, and this is who you are. I need you to trust me. Like, that's, that's legitimately his answer at the end of the book. I see more than you, and, and I just need you to trust me. But that, that answer, I think if I just give that to somebody, is you just need to trust God. Just have faith. Somebody who's Which just is the answer it. a lot of people get in church. Right. They, they go with their big questions, their big fears and anxieties, and uh, just trust. Have more faith. Right. Uh, and, and I want to go, I don't think that's good enough. Mm. I don't think we're helping people by telling them that, yes, they should have faith. We want them to have faith. In fact, we want them to grow in their faith through these situations. 
but I want them to know why they can do that. Mm. I want them to know what the Bible instructs us about that, how it informs how we should grow through these things, um, and that they're not the first person and they're not alone in struggling through these things. But also, the Bible is big enough for your questions. God is big yeah. enough for your questions. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid of your questions. Wow. I'm not afraid of your questions, and we can walk through this together. Yeah, and, and when it comes to that, like, you know, I think so many young people have been told and heard that faith in Christ is something that is not proven. Right. You know? Uh, but yet, we're living in a day with an uprising of apologists right. who say, no, my faith is grounded in reason. Right. My faith is grounded, in fact, in evidence right. that I can believe and, and, and hold on to. And and it's that word faith, mm-hmm. right? I'd like for you to speak to the word faith because so many times we equate it to unfounded belief, right? Mm. Right. And I think I think Hebrews eleven is where you have to go. I mean, it's the biblical definition yeah. of faith. Yeah. But people, we we hear the term hope, right? Faith is yeah. the hope or the confidence in things hoped yes. for, the assurance yes. of things not seen. And you go, oh, the confidence of things hoped for. But that's not cross my fingers, gosh, I hope this happens. Mm-hmm. That's not the hope that the Bible's talking about. You can't have confidence in that kind of hope. I can't go down to the drugstore and buy a lottery ticket and have confidence that that ticket is going to win. I hope, I would hope it does. I don't play the lottery. If you're listening to this, Pastor, I don't play the lottery. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you, would, you would hope that it wins, but you can have no confidence in that hope. Yeah. It's blind hope. That's, that's what people misunderstand faith to be, is I bought my lottery ticket in Jesus, and gosh, I hope it works out. Mm. No, this is hope that's founded on good reasons. We don't, we don't hope that Jesus rose from the dead in the sense of, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but I'm hedging my bet that he did. Right. We say, no, like historically, it's one of the most well-founded events in human history. There's good reasons for believing that, but I wasn't there. And so on some level, there's always a gap between what we experience and what we say is true, and that gap is faith. Mm. That gap is faith. No, I I think that's a good word. But our experience is not at zero. Right. Right. Our, Our evidence is not at zero. It's somewhere up there, but then what we claim to be true is always just a little bit beyond that. And everyone, whether... Whether Muslim, whether uh, atheist, uh, whether you know whatever it might be, there is a gap right. for all of us. Right. Mm. There's always a gap between our experience and our ultimate answers to ultimate questions. Our worldview at that point. Right. Yeah. What we claim about reality, what we yeah. claim is yes. true about reality, claim. is yes. it always goes beyond what we can touch, taste, yes. smell, hear, see. Mm. It always goes beyond that. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. So Christians are not in any different boat than everybody else when it comes to that. I, except sure in the fact like that, that I think that our evidence, some, uh, some yeah. worldviews, they are at zero, and they're yeah. just blindly jumping to certain things. So if we're in a different boat, it's, it's actually a more stable one. <laughs> we're, we're in the cruise liner while they're in the little skiff in the sea. Um, wow. That, that's a great statement, though. So you're saying there's this overwhelming evidence for Christianity that, potentially doesn't exist for these other faith sets. Right. But I want you to spend the last couple of minutes, Andy, just telling us, okay, what are those foundational elements that we need to build into our lives? Because a lot of folks don't have the experience or the foundation 
that gets them pretty close to making a reasonable assertion of faith. Right. So what are those foundational things that that have to be a part of our lives as believers? Uh, you, we were talking earlier about reading the Bible. There is no substitute for that. Mm. I know some people go, well, gosh, I just, I'm not much of a reader. And my response is, I'm so sorry for you um, because I love to read uh, and I don't understand a life without reading. But I get it. I get it. Um, on this point, you're going to have to learn. God revealed himself in written text. And, and people want to go, I, I need to experience God. I want to feel God. He's, he's done it for us in mm. his scriptures. So you have to read them. That has to be foundational. It is the self-revelation that God has given us throughout time. That It's the only inerrant truth that lasts throughout time in human experience. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that that's primary, and that was foundational for me. Yeah, to move out of what I would call a a good faith. Like I've, I I believed in Jesus, and and I believe I was a Christian, but to move out of that those those waters of uncertainty where you're going, I hope nothing really hard comes my way because I don't know that I could handle it. Into I think I can handle pretty much anything that comes my way. Um, I may not understand it. Yeah, but I have enough grounding to. Well, to well and that was for that. you the difference in a, a hearsay faith. Right, where, man. I've heard this stuff from other people, and hey, I've experienced it. I've read right. it. I've met with God in those ways. Right, and then I, th- I think you just follow the Great Commission. Right, we we make disciples. We teach them what they believe, what to believe. We baptize them, and then we teach them obedience, mm-hmm. not just theology. We teach obedience, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them. So we have to know what we believe to know what we're supposed to do. But if we don't, if, if belief doesn't translate to action, so if you're not in a church serving, actively engaged, and being a part of the body of Christ, you are stunting yourself spiritually, mm. and you're actually disobeying Jesus. Wow. Because that's part of obedience, is being yeah. part of the community that he created. You cannot do Christianity alone. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how emotionally stable you think you are. You cannot do it alone. You can't exercise your spiritual gifts alone because they're meant for other people. Mm -hmm. So reading the Bible and then being actively uh, actively engaged and serving in a local church environment where you're being mentored, you're mentoring, you're putting into practice the things that you're learning. When I teach Bible study, I call that the feedback loop. That I hear about these quote unquote churches where people just want to learn and they but they're not interested in doing anything and and I look at that and I go I don't think those churches exist hmm. because if you're really learning you're compelled to do what well, Titus one teaches us that growing in your faith is growing in the knowledge of truth that leads to godliness right and and you know to sit somewhere and to gain knowledge is not growing in your faith right it, you're you're absent you it's a one plus one equals two. And, and you don't have a one there right. if you don't have godliness, mm. obedience. Right. Wow. And, uh, and so apologetics mm. is knowledge, right? Right. right. And, and it needs to then, then come in and affect the way that we live. Right. It should uh, make you more confident, confident about your faith. And that's something else. Apologetics offensively is yep. meant to tear down walls. Yep. Defensively, it's meant to build up your own faith so that you can have wow. confidence to go out into the world. Like it's for you and for others. Mm. See, that's, that's a good clarification, because I think a lot of people say, well, 
I'm not going to stand on a stage and debate right. the local atheist club. Why do I need this in my life? Right. But the fact that it builds you up in those trying, difficult times right. is a great reminder. Or when you look at, I mean, why don't people evangelize? Mm. The number one reason I hear is it comes down to I'm scared. Mm. It's either I'm afraid I'll get asked something I don't know the answer to, or I don't know how the other person's going to respond. And and generally speaking, it, it's it comes down to people going, I either don't know what I believe and I can't share it, or I'm not sure that I will be able to withstand what comes back at me yeah. when I share. So if you want, apologetics is as much for us to be firm in our faith and to go, you know, the other person might reject the gospel. They might laugh at me. They may degrade me and call me names. But I know what I believe and why I believe it. And I understand that's actually part of it. Like wow. Jesus said, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, and I, I don't waver in my faith just because somebody comes in and says, you're ridiculous or irrational or stupid for believing those things. Well, hey, Andy, last question, and then we'll wrap things up. If you had one word, like one word of encouragement that you could give to young adults, what would it be? Uh, Jesus wins. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. honestly, okay. yeah. you look at the world and the inundation of information we're getting today— and just in this particular time, you got the coronavirus and all of this kind of stuff. And you go, man, the world just seems to be going crazy. I don't know what to do with it. I'm not a millionaire at 25. Mm-hmm. What am I even doing with my life? And all of this kind of stuff. And you go, you know, that's our faith isn't founded on or threatened by any of those things. Uh, fa- faith in Jesus is about trusting that the world has an end goal wow. that is determined by God. And it's an end goal that you will enjoy forever so long as you put your faith in Christ and you turn from your sins. And if you have that down, he's there with you, Mm. even to the end of the age, helping you walk through these things, whatever comes in life. And I think that's... That's just what I'd want to leave people with. Well, Seth, I think we got two things. We got two slogans, if nothing else. Jesus wins and go gospel. Go gospel. Yep, go gospel. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been Lead Defend Live from Lead Defend 2020. If you didn't get a chance to make it, go ahead to leaddefend.org and make plans to be with us at Lead Defend 2021. Thank you, Andy. No problem. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.